0: Carla says, well, I'll tell you what, Ivan. You see this pizza man again. You tell him to come over to whatever the address was on folk court. He says, I'll get rid of Amy. My girlfriend can go back to her mother's house with the kids. I'll put the plastic out, and I'll take care of him myself.
1: When this thing goes to court and trial, I have one shot and one opportunity to be not guilty, or I go to prison in death row. Mm-hmm.
2: That's the reality of it. We have busted alibis. We have caught people in lies. This is just
1: insane because everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else.
0: You just don't hear every day walking in somebody's
2: house, they're going to take the plastic out and pop somebody.
1: So he could get the
2: execution date
1: pretty much any day?
2: Yeah. There's no impediment.
3: This is Cousins by Blood. Episode 6, Take the Plastic Out. Last episode, we left off as Ivan's mom, Sylvia, was out to get her Mustang back. And Ivan's Aunt Penny was with her. And I know there's a lot of vehicles to try to keep track of in this case. And the Mustang isn't really important to this story, it just happened to be the reason that Sylvie and Penny were going over to Carlos's house that day. Again, Carlos and Anthony were high school friends with James and they were still close in their 20s. They weren't as close with Ivan, but they did go to Jamaica with Ivan and Tawny earlier in the year. And so there's no confusion on where this Mustang came from and why Anthony had it. You'll remember in 1999, a year before the murders, Ivan ran off and joined the Navy In doing so, he left a brand new Mustang behind. Instead of having the Mustang repossessed, Anthony had taken over payments on the Mustang, but the vehicle was still in Sylvia's name. So last episode, Ivan had just told his mom that Carlos and Anthony were likely running drugs in the Mustang, and she knew that Anthony was staying at Carlos' house. So this would be November 6th, two days after the bodies were found. Sylvia and her sister Penny Knock on the door.
0: I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't. I just knew, well, Carlos is out of town and Anthony is deer hunting, so let's see if somebody opens the door. And lo and behold, my sister's there with me, and Anthony opens the door.
1: Hmm.
0: I said, Anthony, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be deer hunting because the night before, I'd gotten a call just, you know, 24 hours before saying that uh, Carlos is in Waco, and Anthony's deer hunting for a couple of weeks. He's going to be out of town for a couple of weeks. Carlos is going to be a week in in Waco. So why is Anthony answering the door? He says, you want to come in? Yes, I sure do. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, what is this about, and why are they lying? Never in my wildest dreams would I thought I would have gone through something like that.
1: man. So you're as soon as as soon as he opens the door, you're getting a little weirded out because mm-hmm. he's not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, then he, it gets
0: even more bizarre because I, he would go into the kitchen and we sit down, or and uh, he kind of motions like "Don't say anything" uh, with his finger, and then he he says, uh, "Carlos is on the phone with Ivan." Okay, so now Carlos opens the utility room that goes out to the garage and comes back into the kitchen and he's on a handheld phone. And I wanna know what's being said. And it dawns on me the fax machine is hooked up to that phone. You can hear the conversation on the fax machine. I walked over to the to the office and put the, the volume on.
1: And did he have the phone and on speakerphone or uh I put it on speakerphone. But did Ivan know yeah. that you were no. there? No. Okay.
0: No. And Carlos saw me and Penny, my sister, in the kitchen table at the kitchen table. So he's talking to Ivan. He's asking him. I was asking Anthony before Carlos came in the kitchen, and what do you know about what's going on?
1: And what did And say?
0: what happened to James? I don't know. He didn't volunteer anything. Okay. But he does lean down to my sister's ear and tells her, maybe Ivan did
1: it. You heard him say that?
0: She told me that he told her that when he leaned down. He said, did you hear what he said when when he leaned down? I said, no. He said, maybe Ivan did it. And I thought, well, okay, why is he planting that seed? Here he supposed to be deer hunting, and he's planting seeds now that maybe Ivan's involved in this thing. Sure. Well, if I wasn't pushed back 20 miles from hearing about James's murder, it was even further now, Matt. My face was just, I was sinking in the mud, and I couldn't get, I couldn't get breath. I couldn't come up for air. And so Carlos walks into the living room, and I said, um, there's a speaker on that. The fact that fact is a speakerphone. I got up out of the kitchen and something made me go over there and, and I we turned that on so we could hear what Ivan and Carlos were talking about. And Carlos kept asking him the same question. Now tell me again what happened. And Ivan would tell him the same story he told me. Which story? About the pizza man. Perbatum. He didn't mess up one time. He said, Now tell me again what's going on. And like he was waiting for Ivan to trip up on his story. But there wasn't any trip up. But it was the same thing. It was like, uh, don't you hear what he's saying? Why are you you asking him over and over? That's what I kept thinking myself. And then he says, um, Carlos says, well, I'll tell you what, Ivan. You see this pizza man again. You tell him to come over to whatever the address was on both Court. He says, I'll get rid of Amy. My girlfriend can go back to her mother's house with the kids. I'll put the plastic out, and I'll take care of him myself. And I'm going, oh, my God. Did I just hear that?
1: Had you ever known these guys to be violent, Carl? Never.
0: I I had no idea that people be like that, that Ivan, you know, might have known. I know they didn't do a lot of things together, but I do know that, you know, he was James's friend from school, but it wasn't anything that, you know, Ivan was not close to Carlos.
1: He was not close to Carlos. Mm-mm. But yeah, they are, so they are talking on the phone. hmm.
0: And then there's a knock at the door and it's Detective Wynn. And I thought, oh, thank God, because I was hoping he was going to repeat the part that I'll take the plastic out and I'll take care of him while Detective Wynn was in the room.
1: And then so as Wynn shows up, Carlos is already on the phone with, with Ivan.
0: Uh-huh. He's in, the, he's in the room across
1: from the office, from the front office. At some point, is Carlos putting Ivan on speakerphone and Detective Wynn is listening in? Carlos doesn't even know that we're
0: on the speakerphone
1: where was Detective Wynn listening in?
0: In the office with me and Penny and, and Anthony. They were standing in there. And then Penny picks up the phone and says, I don't believe you. And uh, just be careful driving home. Click. Detective Wynn sits down at the desk and he says, what's going on here? I need to know what's going on here. Do you mind coming down to the station with me? All of you. We talk over there.
1: So, who was all we have it?
0: It was Anthony, Carlos, me, and Penny. I couldn't even tell Detective when, hey, I don't know anything. I don't know what's going on here, but you might want to get some answers from these two guys. I, I should have told him I got a call at eight o'clock Sunday morning telling me he had an alibi that he's in Waco with a sick uncle. I never talked to the man in my life.
1: Did you tell Detective that?
0: No. I couldn't. I didn't have enough sense to do that. I was so dumbfounded. I hadn't even processed James's murder. Thought, well, maybe you know he's going to ask me a question and I can help in some way. And then we pull in. We go into whatever floor they were on, and he puts us in a room. He says, "Just hang tight." He says, "I'll get back to you." Well, that was about 10:30 in the morning, Matt. He didn't get back to us till about. Or 4 o'clock that afternoon, and we had just been sitting there all day long, nothing to eat. I'd never been in a police station in my life. I didn't know their tricks. I didn't know how they get people to do things, and they knew that. Detective Wynn finally comes in, and he sits down, and he's already gotten whatever propaganda he got from Carlos and from Anthony. But Ivan calls, and I answered the phone. And I said, Ivan, I'm here with uh, uh, at da- Dallas PD with Detective Wynn. Just let him know when, when you're going to be here and or give him an idea. And he says, yeah, sure, I'll talk to him. Um, Ivan was very calm and collected when he talked to him. And Detective Wynn says, oh. he says well, just have a safe trip down. and It's calm when you get in. And that was it.
1: Um, and then they question you or take a statement from you.
0: No. That's just it. Before we leave, the police woman, uh, one of the other female detectives, I guess, walks up to me and says, uh, will you please write out a statement for me? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I find meant because I, I remember telling her I, I can't write anything. I, I'm too tired. I'm going home. I don't know anything. Well, don't leave yet. I, you know, I'll, I'll write it out. I'll type it out for you. So she typed out whatever she typed out and then put it in front of me and said, no, it's fine here.
1: And you didn't, did you read it? I
0: I didn't even read it. I just knew I couldn't handle anymore.
1: So you and Penny left?
0: With Carlos.
1: With Carlos?
0: Yeah, because Carlos was going to ask to drive my car back just because he didn't think I could drive. And he said, do you want me to drive? And I said, yes. And he's driving us back to Beaucourt, to the house. I said, where's Anthony? Well, they kept Anthony, he said
3: Apparently, Anthony got arrested that day. But it's unclear whether he had drugs on him or he got arrested for a previous drug charge. Regardless, Anthony was not able to leave the police station that day and no statement from Anthony ever made it into the case file.
1: So you go back with Carlos and Penny. Carlos is
0: driving back home, we haven't had anything to eat. And I said, Carlos, I'm starving. I said, pull into a Burger King or somewhere and Get some
1: hamburgers. I'll pay for it. So was Carlos saying so anything else about the murders or I yeah, or anything? At I'm that driving.
0: Point? Yeah, not that. But he says, "Do you know that James kept money in the house?" I said, "No." Did you know he had a safe that was uh, poured into the slab? I said, "No, I don't know anything about that." He says, "Yeah, he kept. He always kept thirty-five thousand cash on him." I said, he never shared that with me. Hmm. Huh. Now, he's making small talk. The last thing I'd be telling people is that I know he kept money in the house. If James had a safe in the house, he's not going to tell anybody. He was smarter than that. What would have kept somebody from going over there and making him open up a safe? He says, uh, we have uh, we have the same insurance guy. I've got Michelle... Insured for a million dollars, and I, if something happens to me, she gets a million dollars. He's giving me more information here.
1: So he just—he's he's
0: talking chat. about the safe. He's talking about insurance money. We're driving back, and we're eating our burgers. We get back to the house. There's two cars there in the driveway, and I know there's two because uh, it was cold and it was windy at that point. He says there's two there's two cars in the driveway. He says it's gonna take some time to do that. It's cold. Why don't y'all just come back in the morning and, and let's just call it a day?
1: How far was that from your house?
0: 25 miles.
1: Seems like quite a trip back to not just uh-huh. move a couple cars.
0: Uh huh. But I didn't question it. I didn't push it. I'd handled. I'd had enough of that day.
3: So Sylvia and Penny go home Mustangless. But the next day, they go right back to Carlos's house, and Michelle, Carlos's wife, answers the door and hands over the Mustang keys.
0: Because I had to come back the next day, and Michelle was there. She's the one that handed, me, handed Penny the keys when we knocked on the door. And there was an apartment key there.
1: And why did you notice that?
0: Because Penny said, well, um, I think Anthony's apartment key is on this set of keys.
1: Um, So, did you give Anthony back the apartment key?
0: I think, no, I think we took it. I think we took the set of keys and I said, let's just go. So, I don't know if that apartment key went to Ivan's apartment.
3: So, there may be something important about these keys. You'll remember from episode two in Ivan's statement, after Ivan's arrest and Detective Wynn was interrogating him.
4: He asked who had access to the Pear Ridge apartment, and I explained that while moving into the apartment... We borrowed the Mustang from Anthony Fonseca, and when we returned the car, the apartment key was accidentally left on the key ring. Once this occurred, I continually tried to get the key back from Anthony F., but for one reason or another, we were never able to connect for me to get the key back. And prior to leaving for Arkansas, I never really thought anything about it.
3: If that was true, then that would mean Anthony and Carlos would have access to Ivan and Amy's apartment while they were out of town. To my knowledge, the apartment key on the Mustang key ring was never investigated to determine if it did belong to Ivan and Amy's apartment, something Ivan's lawyers could have looked into. But they never hired an investigator for the case. At this point, there's no way to know for sure about the key. But it certainly is intriguing. Though Ivan didn't tell his mother about the key until they met at IHOP. He
0: gets in Dallas about midnight because he calls me about 2 o'clock in the morning. And he says, Mom, I need you to meet me at IHOP over there on 183. I said, you got it. I'm on my way.
3: So now it kind of all comes full circle. In episode one, you heard Amy's statement about the IHOP meeting.
2: He called his mom and Aunt Penny to meet us at IHOP. We sat there and had coffee and pop. Ivan talked to them for a while.
3: That's all she said about IHOP. And you heard Ivan's statement about the late night IHOP meeting. Remember, they had just gotten back into town from Arkansas. After stopping at Tawny's, Ivan had went to his apartment and found the search warrant inventory list.
4: I explained to my mom that this inventory list slash search warrant looks fake. I mentioned calling the homicide office, but they wouldn't confirm whether or not they had been in the apartment. My mom made the suggestion of meeting at IHOP so that she could see it. When we got to the IHOP restaurant, we noticed that several police officers were eating at the restaurant. We ordered a few items, and I showed the list to my mom and Aunt Penny. They also thought that it looked fake, but we wouldn't know what was going on until we were able to discuss the situation with Detective Wynn. After having a few items at the IHOP, my mom and I agreed to visit Detective Wynn's office together in the morning.
3: And now, this is what Sylvia remembers
0: about the meeting. And we met at IHOP on 183 and Irving. We're the only ones in there. And then we're having coffee. And then four officers come in and they're having coffee across the aisle from us. Ivan's sitting next to Amy. Amy's leaning on Ivan's shoulder, just interested in anything that's being said. She just wants to get out and go smoke a cigarette.
1: Mm-hmm. She goes and so up. what what time would this be?
0: Probably 2 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ivan and Amy had come back from Arkansas. Mm-hmm
0: that if she was afraid of Ivan at that time, she had a 17-year veteran from the Sheriff's Department as a stepdad in Arkansas that she could have clung onto and asked for protection if she was afraid of Ivan. She could have gotten up out of that booth instead of going to smoke a cigarette Walked right over to those police officers and said, uh, I'm afraid of this guy.
1: Did she seem afraid of him?
0: Nope. She was clinging onto him like gum on a shoe. She had her head on his shoulder. And she it was like she was tired, she was sleepy, she just wanted to get out of there. She was not interested in anything being said.
3: So like the party DJ and Tawny, this is another direct witness saying that Amy sure didn't appear to be afraid of Ivan. Although when she went back to Arkansas, she had her stepdad, Mr. Kramer, thoroughly convinced that she was scared to death of Ivan and that Ivan was in a mob. But next, Ivan tells his mom what he found in the apartment.
0: He says, Mom, I went to my apartment before I come to meet you. There was just a mess in there. I said, there must be something wrong, Ivan, because you left the house immaculate. You left the apartment immaculate. There wasn't any mess anywhere.
1: But if he had said... Um, that I guess there was a note left that they had found some items in there.
0: Oh, he did have a paper on him. It was like page 14 of however many pages there was or whatever page number. He only had one page that was left up there on the counter and he brought it with him. And there were specific items that were on that list that they were going to look for. Uh. I remember him saying that he had a paper, but I don't think I looked at it, and I didn't read it.
3: I also talked to the fourth person at IHOP, Ivan's Aunt Penny. Well, and let me ask you this. That night at IHOP, you were there with uh, Ivan, Amy, and Sylvia, right?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm.
3: What do you remember about that?
2: Well, Ivan wanted to—he wanted to know what was going on, and he, he didn't understand any of it. And— um Four police three or four policemen walked in, I don't know more than two, and they sat behind him, and he didn't even flinch, but Amy got up and got away from the table she she left. she went to go talk on her phone or they had pay phones back then, but I don't remember if she was on her. I remember she was outside, and I was thinking it's really cold what She's out there a long time, you know, who in the world is she talking to? And I thought, wow, she's pretty tough to be standing out there when it's cold that long.
3: But she was definitely Uh, talking with someone on the phone that you remember.
2: Yes, absolutely. Most of the time, almost the entire time.
3: Sylvia mentioned Amy was outside smoking, but she didn't say anything about her being on the phone, which is super interesting for two reasons. One being, if we're going back to the Bonnie and Clyde scenario and looking at it if potentially Ivan and Amy did this together, you would think that Amy would be a little more concerned with what Ivan was talking about, especially with a bunch of cops within earshot. Bonnie and Clyde is seeming less of a likely scenario. But the second reason this is interesting is, this is two or three in the morning. Who is she talking to? Was it Metal, the speed dealer, because that's where they were going next? But you normally don't talk to dealers that long on the phone. Was she talking to someone else? And could it have been someone involved in setting up Ivan?
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching.
2: I, I remember the words Ivan said. He said he trusted trust her with his life. And the moment he said those words, I just got sick to my stomach. I don't know why. I don't know. It was a premonition.
3: But you and Sylvia had your, had your doubts about her.
2: Definitely, yes.
3: But so, do you remember what the conversation was with you and Ivan and And Sylvia at the IHOP, what was being discussed?
2: Uh, He said the police came in and left a piece of paper for him. And I said, You need to get an attorney and uh, you need to meet Detective Wynn, you know, because this was happening.
3: And at any time when you're at IHOP and that there's multiple cops sitting in a booth just, you know, what, right beside or behind Ivan?
2: Right behind Ivan. Now, if he was guilty, he would have gotten up and left everybody. He would have just walked out. He sat there the entire time. He, he didn't, uh, he wasn't, you know, scared or afraid or guilty of anything. He just wanted to know why were they interested in him.
3: Because he has this search warrant, and on the search warrant, he said that it was the list, the inventory list, essentially, of what was found at his apartment, um, jeans, socks.
2: He didn't um, know anything about it.
3: I guess the thing is like, uh, had he really left those items there, then you think it would be a different reaction from him.
2: Well, he said he, none, he didn't none of that was his, you know, right. whatever they found.
3: But yeah, you would think that had he left that there and then now he has a search warrant saying that the police found that there, he would want to get out of town. You know, it's like, you know, the jig's up.
2: Yeah, he wasn't going anywhere because he he didn't have, you know, he didn't have anything to hide. He was trying to find out what's, what was going on and what happened.
3: And that's what's really perplexing about this case. If Ivan did it, he sure didn't act like it. From party hopping and being seen by a dozen people right after supposedly murdering his cousin, his own flesh and blood, and his cousin's fiance, and changing CDs in the back of James Corvette, and waving to his neighbor at 2.30 in the morning, saying, howdy, neighbor, like not a care in the world. Even in Arkansas, Kramer said he was calm and cool and cracking jokes, and if Ivan really did leave all that evidence laying around the apartment it's hard to imagine him thinking anything other than being arrested was going to happen when he met
1: with Detective Wynn. And yet, that was the plan. And then did you guys make plans for the next day?
0: Uh, We were going to meet a friend of mine who is a criminal attorney, and we were going to go talk to Detective Wynn, but because of what happened when we went to sit there all day long, I I asked... uh, my attorney friend, if he would please go with us, so that get whatever procedure had to be taken out of the way, and then we could just keep going. I didn't want things to go wrong because we didn't have representation. I didn't know how to protect us, and I didn't trust the police at that time. After what you know, staying there a whole day, and it just, I just didn't have a, uh, I didn't feel comfortable about that at all.
1: And then, so you guys meet up to go see the lawyer that morning. That would have been the eighth
0: Mm hmm We met at... Ivan calls me and he says, "Um, where do you want me to meet you so that we can go to the attorney? I said, well, meet me at my sister's house. And little did I know when I left my house in uh, southwest Dallas that I had a tail on me. And the reason I know that is because when I got to Melda's house, I called my attorney friend and he says, look, uh, I know we were supposed to meet at... um, 10:30 30, or 11, he says, but I've got a, or a hearing that I've got to take care of this morning. We can get together at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I didn't want to wait for, for the end of the day. I was just hoping to get that over with. So Ivan says, well, he says, um, I haven't had anything to eat. Let's go get something to eat. So we go into a restaurant uh, on Lemon Avenue. And as soon as we sat down, there was a guy that was sitting at our table. I mean, it, at the table next to us, it looked like he hadn't bathed in a whole week with a newspaper in front of him. And he wasn't ordering. It just looked odd.
1: And what what restaurant was it?
0: Uncle Julio's on Lemon. And um, I said, Ivan, where is Amy? Wasn't she going to meet you with Detective Wynn? I think she should be there. I didn't think he wanted to talk to her He says, but maybe we should go take, take her with us And I said, well, okay So we ate, We were going to go pick up Amy And uh, wait for 4 o'clock And then go see Detective Wynn With uh, my attorney friend So now I start driving to a friend of Ivan's, uh, Connie's apartment And he said, that's where Amy was I said, okay, we'll go over there And I thought, I don't have any parking money. When we get downtown, I've got to have some cash on me. I said, I need to pull into Washington Mutual. And uh, before I pulled off the tollway, I see Detective Wynn pass me on the right. And I said, Ivan, that's Detective Wynn's car. That's Detective Wynn right there. No more that I pull into Washington Mutual and about 10 cars surround me at the ATM. Unmarked cars and police cars. 10? Mm-hmm. There was uh, a lot of cars.
1: So they they had been following you?
0: Yeah. There's no way they could have... They, they planned that. They had it together. Now, maybe the guy at Uncle Julio says, you know, they're moving a lot. I think he's trying to run. Nobody was trying to run anywhere. I said, uh, Ivan was driving, so I was going to have him get get me $20. Uh, Sir, we need you to step out of the car. And I don't know what's going on. They just said, um, we're arresting your son. I didn't say, I didn't ask him for what. I just, I was in shock.
3: So their vehicle got impounded, and one of the officers drove Sylvia to her sister's.
0: And I get back to my sister's and I said, they took Ivan in. So I called my attorney friend. So I said, well, can you go over there and monitor this to make sure it doesn't get out of hand?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I did not. I'd, I'd seen things get out of hand just on television programs. And I just didn't want anything to get out of hand with Ivan.
1: But it seems like things got out of hand. Huh?
0: They did. They did. Um, Ivan told me later on that he was slammed up uh, against the wall when we uh, roughed him up and asked him what size pants he wore.
1: Yeah, what size pants does he wear? Or did he?
0: Back then, he was probably a, a 30, 31, or thirty-three. 30.
1: And do you remember what size uh, jeans they found in the trash can?
0: I think they were, I thought they were 36s. They were 34, 32s. 34s? I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, that's it. I thought there were 34s. But I thought, if there's the a 34s, he would have had been running around holding his pants up. So you
1: never know him to wear
0: a 34? No.
2: mm
1: We've
3: been over that a few times. I think it's safe to say Ivan did not wear 34, 32s. But then I asked Sylvia the big questions.
1: So... When they charge Ivan with the murders and then all this is going on, I mean, what are you thinking?
0: I'm thinking that uh, they're going to find out they made a mistake, put him on trial, and and he's going to come home.
1: Was there any thought in your mind that maybe Ivan could have done this?
0: Mm Mm-mm. No. But I do have strong reservations about him being set up after I got to see who Carlos was and what he said on that phone.
1: Now, why do you say that? He was,
0: he's diabolical. Because of the things that he said, I'll take the plastic out, like, like he's done this before. It was something that was very matter-of-fact for him. You just don't hear every day walking into somebody's house, they're going to take the plastic out and pop somebody.
1: That stuck with
0: you? Oh, yeah. And then for Anthony tell my my younger sister, maybe Ivan did it. I believe Ivan was the patsy.
1: Why would they have set up Ivan then?
0: To take the light off of themselves.
1: So what do you think happened after all this time, 18 There's years?
0: There's a guy, um, I forgot to tell you. And I'm just now in a flashback on this. Um, Sunday evening, about 5 or 6 o'clock, James's father, Frank, asked me to meet him at the house on Gibbons where they found the bodies. And I looked at uh, the spare bedroom that was across from the office. And the bed looked like somebody had slept in it for a month straight.
3: James' mom, Gladys, tells Sylvia.
0: She says, well, he's been here a couple of weeks, and he's staying over here. And he comes into the house after the police let everybody in that Saturday night. He's in there, and he starts getting the rent check from the duplex or the houses that James had. He had a couple of rent houses in Oak Cliff. And he's telling Gladys that he's taking over James's business. When Gladys heard him say that, and she doesn't know him from, from anything. She says, who in the hell are you? And then she told him, get the fuck out of here. Get out. She threw him out of the house.
1: Who told you this? Gladys told you this? Gladys,
0: uh-huh. But she told him to get the fuck out.
1: So this Frank, who was living there
0: mm-hmm.
1: for a couple weeks, is telling James' mom that he's taken over the business?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna deposit the checks and he's gathering checks. He's gonna, he's gonna deposit the checks and take care of the business. He's gonna take over from for James.
3: I warned you in the beginning, this case is complex and has some real twists and turns. That's right. James and Amy Kitchen had a roommate. A mysterious guy moved in just three weeks before they were killed. And just like Carlos and Anthony, he just happened to be out of town right around the time of the murders. And in addition, that same day, the day the bodies were found, another witness heard him say, They weren't killed last night. They were killed today. So who was this roommate? And how would he know that? Next time on Cousins by Blood. If this case keeps heating up and reasonable doubt mounts please help spread the word and follow us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at Cousins by Blood Podcast If you have any information about this case please email us at Cousins by Blood Podcast at gmail.com Ivan Cantu's statement read by Ryan Freed Amy Betcher's statement read by Pauline Johnson Mixing and Mastering by Jody Abbott thank you for listening and stay tuned